John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is Nathaniel Day, old time strongman. How are you doing today? Great. <clears throat> That's good. Um, so um, tell us uh, a little bit about how you got started into all this. Um, I'm sure you didn't just start bending hammers and pennies right out of the gate. Um, what got you into into strongman and, and especially the old time strongman? Um, when I was a kid, I saw footage of Shaolin monks and also watched Bruce Lee films. I was inspired by very disciplined people who were accomplishing incredible or unbelievable things. Um, I remember that from a very early age. I had no idea how I would get started to become like that, but I aspired to be like that one day. And then kind of skip ahead to pretty recently, I started to study some old-time strongman literature because I, I didn't like uh, learning from more modern publications, uh, which were which are often written by people that take steroids, drugs, looking into the old school literature for more uh, basically better advice and it was just a few years ago really that i found out about chris Ryder, and i went to his website and lo and behold said his next seminar was going to be in cincinnati ohio so my hometown uh, so I, I jumped on that, I contacted Chris Ryder directly, and I attended the seminar, started to bend steel uh, smaller, of course, than what I could do now. Uh, so that's kind of how it started. Very cool. Yeah, I just had, um, I actually had Chris uh, on the podcast um, not too long ago. Um, very interesting guy, very knowledgeable, and, and crazy strong, too. Um and, and he's been in the game for a very long time. So uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy to have as a, a mentor or, uh, or as an instructor. Um, yeah, and he, he learned a lot from Slim the Hammerman. And Slim is connected to Dennis Rogers and, of course, to the Mighty Adam. And it was a coincidence. I read a biography of the Mighty Adam. Uh, right before pointing out about Chris Ryder. Uh, so when I met Chris Ryder, I actually took the book, the, the Mighty Adam's Life Story. I took that book with me to the seminar, and I had Chris sign uh, the back page. Um, I also have Slim the Hammerman's signature on there. Oh, very cool. <clears throat> um, so uh, when did you decide... Um, once you started doing the, uh, you know, the strength training aspect of it, when did you decide, like, hey, I want to do shows? Uh, I basically found out that I had a natural talent for it. I progressed so quickly, and I had a lot of uh, positive feedback from people on Facebook and Instagram, um, other strongmen that I've met. There's a really good horse bender who lives in Columbus, Ohio, is pretty close to me, so I visited him. Um, and all these people just encouraged me enough and 
gave me the positivity and confidence uh, that the next step just seemed, it just seemed logical to start putting on shows and to help spread the information and pass on the art form and to keep, to keep it alive, basically. Cool. Um, now, I noticed uh, I've been following your Instagram for a while now. Um, and in addition to the old-time feats of strength, like, you know, horseshoes, hammers, and things like that, b bending those things, b bending steel, um, you do a lot of uh, body weight stuff, but not, not just body weight stuff, pretty advanced level body weight stuff. Can you tell us about that a little bit? I am one of the lighter uh, guys who does the all-time strongman tradition. Uh, so I, what I have is a very high strength uh, ratio, like strength to body weight. And that allows me to kind of do some like Spider-Man type stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm very good at like rock climbing, climbing things, uh, pull-ups. I could just, I, I kind of feel very light and just at one point I was even while being able to bend coins, I only weighed 145 pounds. Um, now, now I do weigh like 175, which is still considered pretty small still so, you know, in the strongman world. But that does allow for very advanced push-ups and body weight movements, uh, one-legged one squats, um, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Yeah, now do you think that stuff um, has a pretty good carryover to the old-time strongman? Do you think that the, the bodyweight stuff actually um, directly helps steel bending and, and things like that? It, it does if you do. Uh, you want to try to make it as unstable as you can. So the one-leg squats, the one-arm push-ups, uh, when you throw things off-center and... Um, do things controlled and basically you want that instability. A lot of my bodyweight training I did on gymnastics rings and the rings like wobble mm -hmm. and that wobbliness, your, your muscle has to work a lot harder to keep it balanced. And that is actually very similar to steel bending. Is there a, when you bend, when you, when you bend a wrench or something, it's kind of springy. And it's almost like steel. When when you try to bend it, it's kind of like it's alive, and it can move in different directions where you're weakest, and then it can stop bending. So you want to be strong all over. So and work in weird angles. Okay, cool. Do you think and body weight strength uh, definitely helps? Now, in most people, um, you know, when you say unstable, I think the 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 common person thinks. Uh, you know, like standing on those wobble boards or um, doing something with like a giant physio ball. Um, but but you're you're talking more uh, like unilateral or or just slightly um, unstable, not extreme unstable. Yeah, I'm talking more of a. You have to keep in mind that just like with a barbell, every time that you can do a certain number of reps, you want to add a little weight. Right. Well, with body weight, if you're doing squats, it quick, quickly becomes like too easy. So you need to find a way to make it more difficult. 
Um, so you start doing like one-legged squats, and then maybe you do the one-legged squat while holding a, a plate, like a 10 to 25-pound plate. Um, maybe, and then after that gets easy, you start to do it explosively, and you're you're jumping and then switching legs. Yeah. Um, basically, the idea is be creative and constantly challenge yourself. Okay. <clears throat> Very cool. Um, do you do any kind of? But like, uh, there's um. The boards that you're talking about, there's like, uh, what are they called? I just call them a wobble board, but yeah, there's different names for them. Yeah, those, um, honestly, I haven't found much strength improvement from, I've played around with those, but I think that's totally unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that, that's what I was getting at. I think um, most people, when they think instability, they go to those extremes and... Um, there's a certain point where something is so unstable that you you're you're not able to put in enough force or effort to get a real training effect from it other other than maybe simply having balance or something like that um and when you need strength yeah. and, and strength and balance you have to be able to use a certain amount of strength while you're you're doing that and um I agree I think one-legged squats and things like that are one of the best ways to build up um are the best way to build stability um, because it's just unstable enough where you can still put forth a lot of muscular action. Um, I, I think the most, the, the most unstable type instrument that I would use for training would be the gymnastics rings. Yeah. Um, and that's great for upper body strength. When you do dips, when you do dips on a, on parallel bars, um, it's it's very stable and so you stay in a straight line, and the muscle, the tricep, and chest uh, gets very used to that quickly. Um, it, it doesn't take long to like master that, but you switch from that to the gymnastics rings, and most people will do far less reps and find it very challenging. Yeah, I agree, and um, we have rings at the gym, and there's a big difference between the bars and in the rings for sure. Um, so what about, uh, like grip strength and hand strength stuff? Um, do you do anything specifically for that other than, other than just the old time, you know, bending steel and whatnot? I, I met some great, uh, you know, the grip sport itself. Yeah. Uh, I met some arm wrestlers and they had different grip implements. I actually got a loading pin and weights for that and there's various implements so you can uh, work your pinch grip or uh, like basically any type of grip uh, thick thick bar training uh, an inch uh, inch dumbbell trainer um, I have all the pieces that I need to, to do that um, I recently I don't I don't use it very much but uh, I made good progress with that, but I find that uh, just because someone has a great grip on like grip sport does not mean that it will apply to bending steel. Right. Um, it's very specific. So if you want to be better at bending like spikes or tearing decks of cards, then you need to specifically do that. You need to bend as many spikes as you can. The more you practice, you'll get better. Um, I think it's good supplementary 
training to train your grip in as many ways as you can. But for a performer, like for, for my background or what I'm wanting to do, it's more important to just practice the feats themselves. Okay, cool. Um, I know uh, just from my personal experience, uh, a lot of the feats rely more on the wrist than the hand, um, you know, in, in general. And uh, a lot of, um, you know, grip sport guys or, or girls don't, don't do wrist specific stuff. I mean, their wrists may be getting hit just because they're using a thicker handle or whatever. But um, <clears throat> a lot of those guys don't do wrist curls or, or rotation or something like that with, uh, with their wrist. Arm wrestlers do. Um, and I find that uh, the arm wrestlers are usually a little better at bending steel than, than your classic arm lifters or grip sport. Yep. I've had a couple arm wrestlers that I taught to a tear deck of cards in half. And after just a few minutes, they were able to tear whole deck of cards. So that shows you how much strength they already had in the wrist just from arm wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's one thing that's, uh, greatly overlooked. Um, now you can't, uh, neglect your grip. I mean, if you, if you have a really weak grip naturally, you might need to, uh, increase that obviously, but I think the wrist is usually a little more important. Um, especially if you're talking, uh, you know, short bends like nails and things like that. I feel like for the wrist specifically, some of the top, some of the best ways to train it is uh, sledgehammer leveraging. Yeah. Uh, in different directions and uh, tearing decks of cards. If you can't tear a full deck of cards, then you start with like half the deck or whatever. Uh, tearing cards builds a lot of wrist strength. Very cool. Um, so what what are your uh your top three um, favorite old-time feats? Favorite old-time feats? Yeah. What are your three favorite? Um, definitely horseshoe bending. Uh, it's very technical. has many phases to it. And um, I, I like to do longer bars than a lot of guys do. So very long bars and scrolling. So doing like 10, 20, 30 feet of steel and intertwining it. And, um, I've sold many uh, scrolls or sculptures and I've had them painted and that brings a lot of satisfaction and is uh, an amazing exercise too. Mm, very cool. Um, so you're right with scrolling. A lot of people don't do scrolling. Um, people seem to favor the shorter bends or the, uh, you know, wrenches and hammers and stuff. <clears throat> nail, nail wrenches and hammers are probably the most, you know, most common. Um, very few guys do the long bends. Um, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that has a lot to do with the cost of doing so. Um, it can get pretty pricey doing the longer bends. The cost. Yeah. The, you know, cause yeah, you, um, Here's a few tips for reducing the cost of your training in this. Uh, number one, find a 
scrapyard or a steel supplier in your area, do, do not buy your steel from like a Home Depot or a hardware store right. because they mark, they mark it up. And if you're buying steel to bend at a hardware store, then you're losing a lot of money. I I was able to find amazing deals and um, at a scrapyard and recycling center near me. Um, they oft, they often have like used steel, scrap steel for really really good prices. So I can get plenty of practice in for uh, on a budget, basically. Yeah, that that's good information and, to have because that stuff. Bending is is very 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 expensive hobby. Uh, it, it can add up pretty quick, even even with just um, nails. Uh, I know that I have yeah. uh, I've blown a fortune buying a drill rod to cut into um, training pieces, and it gets pretty pricey pretty fast. Yeah, and I mean, although like I said, I've saved, I've been able to find good supply, but at the same time, I have spent thousands of dollars probably um on horseshoes i remember a couple times sending a payment through for horseshoes of like four or five hundred dollars yeah like and just paying that all at once um so that i'd have horses to bend for a long long time but they're they are very expensive um you get a deal if you buy a box so you get 20 or more horseshoes you'll get a little discount but it's still tremendously expensive. You have to be uh, very committed. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so, how did you get into scrolling and then selling the sculptures? Um, I find that that's uh, pretty interesting. Not a lot of, I think I only know of two people that really sell the um, sculptures, you being one of them. H how did you uh, come up with that idea? Um, I looked at some of the scrolls done by mainly Alexander uh, Zoss and the Mighty Adam, and I was just so impressed. There's a video on YouTube if you um, search Alexander Zoss, Z-A-S-S, you will find a video of him doing a scroll performance, I think, in the 1920s. Um... It seemed like, at the time that I watched it, it seemed like the epitome, or like the top of the of the art form itself and of bending steel. Mm -hmm. um, it combines you know, the strengths to make the bends with uh, control and with endurance. And it uh, gets cardiovascular when you're bending for hours. Um, so it, after I'd made some pieces that were really good they, they I just posted pictures and people just requested them they said how much for that so I started selling them uh, it's pretty pretty incredible there's some uh, owners a guy in Australia has one a guy in Hawaii um, uh, really all over the world kind of spread out that's pretty cool <clears throat> Um, so you said you have them painted. So do you uh, do you contract somebody to paint these things, or do you do it yourself? I've done a few myself, but then recently um, I found an auto body 
a paint shop that does powder coating. Oh yeah. And that's, I feel like that's the smart thing to do. Um, and it lasts longer and then it's durable and outside and inside. And, um, they do a nice job on that. So I just, I do the bending and I've also, I've had a few people buy them, um, raw. So no paint, Mm -hmm. a few people really appreciate the natural aesthetic, uh, and the story behind it. So they've left them unpainted. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. So they don't they don't charge you a fortune to the auto body sh- uh, shop doesn't charge you a fortune to paint those. Uh, if you have if you're into this sort of thing and you want to do this, um, find a couple places in your area and price check them and compare because one place closer to my home would have charged me hundreds of dollars for a paint job, and then I found a place in a city nearby that charged me only 30 to $40 for the paint. Oh, wow. That's a big difference. So, yeah, I get a scrap, a long, like a 10 foot bar at the scrapyard for literally just a couple dollars. And then I get the paint at the shop for $30. So that's like $35. Um, then I, I put all the work into it, obviously in my labor, but then I sell these for like three, $400. So it's still good profit. Yeah, that's nice. That's very cool. Yeah, <clears throat> um, especially to get paid for 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 training. Basically, I mean that's pretty cool. That's uh, a a lot of people. That's their goal, you know, is to get paid to to, to train or work out or whatever. So that's pretty cool. Um. So what what are you working on? Um. Uh, now I know uh, before before we started recording, you were telling me about um, you were doing some tai chi. Now, uh, would you mind telling us a, a little bit about that? Yeah. So basically, I realized after doing so many strenuous, like when you're bending steel, you're putting full body tension, uh, short bursts of movements, and isometric. So you're locking everything up. Your tendons are taking a ton of abuse from like bending horses. And so to, I figured the smart thing to do would be to count, to balance that out with something more re- on the relaxation side, uh, more like stretching basically. So making sure that for, uh, for the years that I spent tearing cards, bending horseshoes and t- bending spikes, I wanted to alleviate some of the tension by relaxing more and focusing for a period of time on, uh, on stretching and opening the joints up. So that led to this, the concept of being as strong as steel, but also being supple at the same time. It seems like the ideal way to live to be, um, you imagine like what would be the perfect way to move throughout your life would be like pain-free and easy. Like when you go up flights of steps, you just almost feel like you're floating or flying. Um, that you can throw a punch very smooth and that it can be a knockout and that just movement is very easy, uh, fast and enjoy enjoyable. Um, so I've started doing a uh, contortion and, uh, stretching just basics and then evolving that in the same manner that I did the all time strongman feats. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, obviously you cannot reach, uh, 
like this a, a perfect or ideal way of being is something that's really unattainable but it's kind of a fun journey to just see how close you can get um and it's like why not it's like fun and yeah what are, what are your thoughts on it yeah well I, i'm in agreement. i think that uh for a lot of people especially um like competitive strongmen um you know there's this anti-cardio thing and this anti-flexibility thing in, in that culture but i'm with you i think um it makes much more sense to be a uh a complete specimen to be able to do strength but also be able to move and live your life um you know normally uh especially if you're not a, a professional and you're getting you know if, if you're in world's strongest man and you're getting paid you know you might not have enough time to do certain things. There's certain things are going to be sacrificed and are going to take a hit. But if, if you're not at that level and realistically aren't going to get to that level, um, there's no reason to avoid flexibility or, or avoid conditioning or avoid any of those things. I think, um, in fact, it will only help you out in the end, um, you know, to be a complete physical specimen. And that's something that the, yeah. the, the old-time strongmen, they understood that. The performers um, or even the old-time barbell strongmen, guys like um, Herman Goner and, 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 like you said, Alexander Zass and the Mighty Adam and Arthur Saxon, they kind of all did all of these things. They were all very flexible. Um, they were all strong. They were all uh, aesthetically pleasing. You know, they, they all kind of looked like bodybuilders. They all... Um, and they were all able to move and, and they had a general interest in overall health. And uh, at some point, all those things kind of went their own way and, and people started specializing in each aspect of that. And we definitely lost some stuff when that happened. Um, flexibility being, you know, one of the most. I mean, if you really think strong men don't do any kind of flexibility training really in general anymore and the flexible people like your yogis or whatever, they don't do any strength training. I mean, the two have went completely set separate directions. I don't think that that needed to happen. Great. And that's why I'm very excited to release the new feat uh, very soon, as soon as possible, uh, which demonstrates a very high level of strength while being very supple and flexible at the same time. Um, it is, I've also found that, I mean, unless you're a professional strongman and making money doing that, like maybe like a Brian Shaw, right? unless you're, unless you're like that, then you actually, the average person um, benefits actually more from mobility and flexibility uh, than just like high tension strength. A lot of people, maybe for like New Year's resolution, they start going into the gyms and what they end up very sore because they haven't worked in a lot. And so now they go every day, they get in their car, go to work, and they're just, they're just sore and they just break themselves down. Um, that's not necessarily smart. Uh, they benefit a lot from adding in the mobility and flexibility and just general like movement and uh, trying to be very fluid. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think... You know, you, you got to do you got to do it all, um, and it, it doesn't take a lot of time either, especially when you're just getting started. 
Um, you know, you, you get beginner gains of strength training. People talk about that all the time, but you also get that with any kind of movement too. I mean, you'll, you'll progress very quickly with, uh, learning movement patterns or getting more flexible or whatever, um, in, in the beginning for sure. Um, do you have any advice or tips or, or any books or resources that you could recommend, um, to somebody that, that maybe wants to, uh, get more flexible or even, or even take, go the contortionist route and maybe get a little more extreme with it. Yeah. The, I believe the guy's named Tom Kurz. It's K U R Z. Um, it's just, I believe the books is called how to stretch, but it's really well done. The, the guy was a researcher. Uh, he's got like science background and he, he uh, shows studies on stretching and on the bones and ligaments and muscle. Uh, it's also quick. He gets the morning stretching routine that takes maybe five to 10 minutes. And if you do that every day, you increase your flexibility dramatically. Cool. <clears throat> and then there's a book on on records um, by David Willoughby. Okay. I, I can't think of the title of it right now, but if you search David Willoughby and maybe like human records, uh, strength, speed, and everything, that's a really good book because it shows you what's possible. It includes like the Mighty Adam, uh, every, everyone that we've mentioned already, this guy has categorized like Herman Goner, Eugene Sandow, uh, Saxon brothers, and he's listed all their stats and all their feats that they were known for. Uh, that's good to have if you're into this sort of thing so that you can see what, what's been done before you and get inspiration and ideas for training. Yeah, I actually, I think I have that book. I just can't think of the name of it either. Um, ah. yeah, it's a fairly large book, a uh, hardback. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't think of, name of it. When, when, uh, when I post the podcast, I'll, uh, I'll post the name of that for everybody that's listening. If they're interested. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I've seen some, some of your new, newer feats, um, you know, bending or uh, tearing decks of cards behind your back and, and, and under the leg and behind your back and stuff. Um, so that's, yeah. been, that's been pretty interesting. And, um, uh, so that, that's an example of where it, at first you tear a deck of cards, um, just holding it in front of you and close to your chest is going to be the easiest way to do it. And when that gets to be easy and you, I think the first time I tore a deck of cards, it took me a full minute. Once I got to where I could tear the deck of cards in under 10 seconds, I started to go for behind the back. Okay. Um, just, cool. Again, it's just const, constant improvement by like micro, like small levels, like like adding a few cards to the deck. Um, I've torn bicycle playing cards vertically um, or lengthwise, and when with, that was very difficult at first. Then I added a few cards at a time. Uh, maybe two or three cards a week, and the most that I've 
done was like 86 cards or something like that. Very cool. Um, do you buy your uh, cards in bulk? Uh, I know that I've done that and a lot of other people do that from like uh, casino warehouses or, or um, those sorts of things. Yeah, and yeah, definitely search for casino uh, bulk uh, used cards. They'll often come uh, not in plastic wrapping. They'll just come in like big bundles. Yeah. And then you have to count out your cards as you tear them. Right. Um, also, my biggest tips for card tearing, and this is there's a couple that you may have not even heard of. One is to buy a 100% plastic deck of cards by Bicycle. Yeah. Or Hoyle. Yeah. Um, these are literally, like, impossible to tear. Um, but what you do is you just grab them, grip them like you would to tear a real deck of cards or a normal deck of cards, and you'll just uh, squeeze hard and tear for 10 seconds or so, and then release, and then you'll do that maybe four or five times. And this is isometric training. Um, it, condition, it also conditions your hands. And when you go back to normal cards, you'll fly through them. Yeah, there are a few um, products out uh, actually for that purpose as well. I know for a brief time, Dennis Rogers sold what was called an ugly rubber. And he had, yep. he had a, a mini one, a regular one, and then like a monster sized one. Um, I don't believe he sells those anymore, but there's a guy, uh, Django, in Arizona who I'm good friends with, and um, he sells those as well, uh, as and along with a um, uh, trainer for phone books. So it's an even larger um, piece of rubber to, to practice for tearing phone books or whatever. And um, and, and I've yeah, used those. I actually cool. have, I have both products. Um, I have Django's card terror helper and um dennis rogers ugly rubber and I've, I've used those and they're really nice for when you're traveling so you don't have to bring a giant box of cards to the hotel or whatever you can just bring that little card sized thing and you're good to go yeah those are very good um i have you heard of scott st vincent uh i don't believe so uh, so he, he has torn a card, uh, a deck of cards into 16. Uh, so he tore it in half, tore it in half, tore it in half, all the way until there was only, uh, 16 uh, equal size pieces. Okay. Um, That's pretty crazy. Yeah. He's, he's also, he's known as, if you search for him on Facebook or something, he's, he's known as Scott St. Vincent Penny Bender or something like that. Um, he's, he's bent pennies, he's been, he bends coins actually barehanded, so no protection or anything. Yeah, nice. Um, now he's, he's just known, the reason I'm bringing him up is because he is one of the best card terrors in the world, and he actually, I sent him a Facebook message, and he sent me his Dennis Rogers ugly rubber, um, the, like the monster size that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually gifted that to me, so I got that in the mail from him, oh, wow. and I use I use that a lot because Dennis Rogers does not sell those anymore. Yeah, I don't think he does. Uh, when you go to his website, it's not available. Um, 
but Django at uh, Camp Camp Verde Rope and Gear, um, he does sell those. I don't think he has a monster sized one yet, but he sells the regular sized ones and then um, the a big wide one for um, phone books and such. Um, yeah. He also has some interesting products for bending nails, um, where you can uh, you can bend this thing and it, it re- goes back to its original shape. Um, and they're pretty cool, and there's a bunch of advanced levels that you can go through. Um, yeah, I I, want, I support those sort of things. You definitely save money, um, and they're they're pretty similar. Um, they're not they're not as tough on the hands though as real cards or real steel. Right. So you're, the conditioning is not really the same. The the real thing is a lot more painful, but it's definitely great. Like you said, for traveling and. Uh, if you hit those things every day that you can, and in addition to that, throw in some real decks of cards, then you'll make very fast progress. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, so you you were you're doing, or or at least we're doing a lot of um, performances. How many uh, performances do you typically do in like a year or so? Maybe maybe a dozen or something like that. Very um, they obviously, I've had to travel quite far for a few. And, and you know, the performance itself already is very draining and it literally, you want to bring your best, obviously, and you want to perform to the highest level that you can. Uh, sometimes I've, I've driven and a long car ride can just make your joints like feel um bad basically oh yeah to drive so far and then to get out of the car and immediately put on a show like bending steel and <laughs> twisting my body uh bending cards and like yoga poses and stuff is very challenging but i've luckily pulled it all off <clears throat> yeah i could see where that could be a problem um <clears throat> so do you have like uh do you have an agent it's been or? fun i've met met a lot of great people um, I'd love to do it more. Definitely, if you go to Instagram at uh, the Mighty Nathaniel, uh, I'm I'm also have done elementary schools. Yeah, I've since I have a background in chef stuff and cooking. I've actually gone into elementary schools and taught them how to cook and taught them like good nutrition, and then performed feats of strength on top of that. Oh, that's cool. Um, and I'd, I'd love to do, that, to do that more. If anyone out there is listening and wants me to come to the school in their area or perform for them, they can just contact me and we can set it up. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have an agent or do you uh, or do you set most of your shows up yourself? Do you do, do, you do the footwork there? Yeah, I, I, at this point I've done it all um, by myself. Cool. Um, yeah, I think that seems to be what most uh, of the old-time uh, strong men that I, that I talked to, they kind of do, do that themselves for the most part. Um, have you seen the, the mighty Adams like truck? Yeah. Or like, it was like an RV. So it was a bus, I think. And it was full of memorabilia. And he, he traveled in that and he would perform and then sell, uh, health products. Yeah. And that is similar to what I've done myself. Um, I do not have a as cool of a truck or anything like that. I, dr- I drive a small car and 
full of steel that seems like it shouldn't even fit in the back of it. And I just uh, surprise, surprise people a lot. Yeah, I actually was out at um, uh, my brother and I and Jim Bassnett went out to, and Hannah the Destroyer went out to uh, um, Slim the Hammerman's house with, uh, and, and Dennis Rogers was there and Chris Ryder and Robert Nedgley and, and a whole bunch of other um, old time strongmen steel benders. And that was the first time I had seen in person um, the Mighty Adams old truck because it's in Slim's yard. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a cool, uh, it's cool to see. And then Slim has his, uh, his dungeon there, which is pretty cool. You can go in and it has all the, all of his old stuff. And then all of the mighty Adams old stuff and, and, and some other, uh, strong men have earned kind of their spots in, in his, uh, basically it's a museum, but, uh, they call it the dungeon. Very cool. And, and where is that? Uh, that's at Slim's house in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania? Yeah, I believe how, how, what, uh, what, what state are you in? So how far did you have to travel for that? Um, uh, I'm in West Virginia. Um, it was a few hours. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, Pennsylvania. I've been told many times that I need to, uh, you know, do something similar to that and go out there. Yeah. Um, I've I've been inv- invited to other strongmen uh, like big events, but unfortunately at the time I've I wasn't able to make it out there from where I was. So uh, most of my stuff I I know every single person that you just named, but I've not met them in in person. It's more like online. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of stuff out of my a lot of my videos were filmed actually after a full day's work. Like I'd come home after working a 10 12 hour shift and then just like i just set up the camera and just like do a, a kind of random feat of strength and then i would post it to instagram yeah That's cool. so i've been kind of isolated um i'd love to one day go out to slims or visit some kind of there's a good museum i heard in texas some kind of a physical culture museum in texas that yeah. has uh, Patrick Pavelitis's, um bent horseshoes and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah, there's a few things like that in, in, in the U.S. Uh, you know, these old, um, you know, basically museums for uh, strength. There's a, there's a few gems like that throughout the U.S. that are pretty cool and pretty interesting. Um, so a couple of the things I've seen you do... Um, that, that really drew my attention to your, to your profile and your Instagram. Um, well, number one was, uh, bending at the hammer, um, bending hammers. And, uh, you actually gave me some ad- advice, uh, on Instagram and, and then I was able to bend my first hammer. So I, I attribute that to you, um, which was very cool. Cause that was one of my goals. Um, I had trained under, uh, Dennis Rogers and met him and did one of his workshops and, um, uh, that day when I worked with him, my goal that day was to bend one of the hammers. Um, so he kind of got me started, but you sealed the deal on that one for me. And then, um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate that. Big thanks for that. Um, and then my next, uh, goal is, is, uh, coins. 
and um, there's not too many people bending coins. There's a little bit more now, but honestly, I think you and Chris Ryder were the first two that I really saw doing serious bends on coins, and that really drew my attention to your profile yeah. specifically. Um, can you tell us? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, so coin burning is like in in the book that I mentioned by David Willoughby. Uh, there's a section on coins, uh, old time strongmen. There were a few. Uh, you could Google uh, a guy, an old time strongman called Cyclops. Actually, um, pretty cool name. And yeah, he would bend coins. Uh, it's sort of it is considered one of the most difficult things because they're so small yeah i think that's what makes it very difficult they're small so it's like how do you even get a grip on this um now i want to i want to make a dis distinction between my coin bending and chris riders uh they're totally different techniques yeah i've noticed that uh, chris chris rider does it in a much more gruesome and painful uh kind of hardcore way um I have a lot of respect for Chris. I, I think I had a private phone call with him before, uh, and he told me about how he's had nerve damage, and um, his hand will randomly go numb after he's bent coins. Mm -hmm. Like, throughout the day, he might be at a shopping like place or whatever, getting groceries, and, his, and he'll just lose feeling in his finger. Um, so that's obviously demonstrates a high-level commitment to the feet. Um, it's very mental to be able to persevere through such an amount of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, so what he does basically is he, he grabs in a key pinch and he actually jams the coin into the side of his index finger and to, to initialize the bend or just to get it to start to move. Um, whereas on what I'm doing is I wrap the coin in a cloth or strap. And then I put each end of the coin on my palms, on the medi the medius part of my palms, and then I squeeze in between my thighs, and I just lay everything that I have into it, and I just squeeze really hard um, to get it to start to bend. So you can see a very different approach, but the the end result is you know a bent coin either way is is very good. Yeah, for sure. But I would say Chris Ryder, the way that Chris is doing it is a lot more uh, difficult and impressive. So I give him, you know, total credit. The, the way that I do it, it's not to say not to say it's easy. It's not easy at all. But it's uh, easier. I've never done it the way that Chris does it. So, um, and I don't think that I'm willing to risk the injuries and things associated with it based on what I've heard from him. So I think that my way of doing it is a lot more uh, safe, but but maybe some would would not consider it as impressive or as strong. Maybe. Yeah. It's uh, I guess it's uh comes down to personal opinion. Uh, there's maybe room for debate. Uh, in my mind, as long as the bend or the feet is accomplished without tools, then it's still legitimate. Right. What? what do you what do you think about that yeah i've noticed um you know 
there's probably I've probably seen two or three different ways to do it. Um, yeah, I think any way you cut it, it's a, it's a pretty high end level feat. There's not a lot of guys, um, period, that can do it. Uh, so really, I mean, you're splitting hairs. <laughs> you know, in the end, if you're saying, well, which yeah. way's better? I mean, you're talking about. In my mind, bending a penny is basically like deadlifting, you know, 900 pounds. There's only so many people that have done it, whether they do it sumo or conventional, that's, you know, you're splitting hairs. They picked it up. You know, you guys bend the penny. It's pretty similar. Um, like you said, as long as you're not using any outside uh, tools or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's the, the thing is that when you, when your life becomes a lot of these when every day you perform feats that, that to a lay person or to the average person seems impossible, then it, you start to think things um, and maybe talk about things in a way that most people would um, be kind of shocked that, like, sometimes I'll be disappointed and I'll, I'll try, because obviously I'm trying to perform at a very high level, and so maybe you what I perform will not be up to par with what I, my standards, yeah. but to the, everyone that sees it, like in my family or somebody, they'll say, what are you talking about? Like, that's amazing what you're doing. Right. <laughs> but I think you can kind of get used to, uh, it's weird. It's a weird feeling, but you get used to such a high level of strength that you do start, start to, uh, think about, uh, things that most people would never think about. Like, like which uh, which method of coin bending is more um, difficult or something like that? It's like to, to, to the average person, it, it doesn't matter. It's like bending a coin is bending a coin. Right. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, um, I think there's only so many people in the world that could get together and have that argument. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, very cool stuff though. I'm I'm pretty. Uh, um, pretty impressed with that one. I think also you've been um, a bunch of various different coins as well, right? I think um, I think you have bent some Canadian coins and then a few American pennies and things like that. Um, can you tell tell us yeah, a little bit about I, that? So I I was very enthusiastic um, and I went out on I think it was on Amazon.com. Uh, I bought a bag of world coins. Uh, you can get very cheap. You can get like a collection of old coins. And I just started to pick up every coin, like a coin from India, from Ireland, anything, you name it. And I started to try to bend them all. Very cool. Um, most of them, most of them did not move at all. There are some, there are some coins out there that are just super thick and crazy. But a lot of the smaller ones, I started to learn basically which which coins were easier. And so you can start to set up a progression. I, w- I want to say the Finland, the, the Finnish uh, one cent is pretty small. It's a thinner than a U.S. penny. Um, now, you do, you do have to be careful with this because I found out later actually from Chris Ryder. He called me. And was telling me about um, how when you, if you bend a coin in, an, in another country, many times it's actually illegal <laughs> uh, because you're just you're technically 
you're destroying their currency. Right. And that's like actually a big, it's a big crime in certain countries. Um, and he actually, he advised me on the phone to, uh, to keep it more secret. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, but, I guess I never really thought uh, about that. I don't, I don't, I don't mind sharing that information with you and whoever's listening. Um, I'm really not. I don't think anyone's gonna come after me for bending some coin. I'm not. You know, I'm just. I'm not afraid of that. But for anyone out there, you do have to. You do have to be careful. Um, now, bending U.S. coin, there is a law. You know the machines that when you do tour, you when you tour, there's like a machine that crushes a penny. Yeah. It like flattens it and it'll put an imprint of like the state that you're in or something like that. Yeah. There's a law that protects uh, those machines, and that same law would protect a strongman for bending a, a U.S. coin. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'd actually, somebody had asked me about that. Um, I, I believe I showed them one of your videos, and they had asked me about that, and I wasn't quite sure, but I did bring up those machines, and I thought if they if you can smash it in the machine, then I'm sure you can, you'll be fine just smashing it with your hand. So, uh, but, that, but that's cool to have that yeah. verification. Now, I, like I said, I, I've been so enthusiastic in my training that I didn't think at all for a second about, like, laws or, like, getting in trouble. Like, that never crossed my mind. Right. Um, and I think, like most strongmen throughout history, they probably were just trying to push themselves and find the most challenging thing that they could do to demonstrate their strengths. Right. Uh, so, as a, strong, as a strongman, you don't even consider, like, law... Uh, you just you just do the best that you can at the feet. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so you're you offer some uh, online coaching, is that correct? Yeah. So it's very good for uh, the progressions, like knowing. For instance, we're talking about coins. Uh, which coins would you start with? Uh, which which decks of cards? Which brands are the are softer versus hard ones? Uh, which horseshoe size? Which horseshoe brands and sizes are easier to bend versus harder to bend? Et cetera, et cetera. Plus the body weight strength training. Uh, plus all the other modalities I've uh, come across. A lot of it's been trial and error. A lot, a lot of it's been uh, going to seminars. I've paid, I paid a lot of money to learn from some of us in the world, and all that information is available to someone who wants to work with me. Uh, a lot of it, like we were talking about the coins, it was advised to me for the coin bending to be kept secret. But there, there are in the all-time strongman world. There are a lot of secrets, a lot of training methods that are kept kind of on the down low and only known between, like, and shared between other strongmen. Right. And I, I have access to all, all of that information. Um, it would only make sense that you'd have to pay for the service for me to give that information. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just put that as a free post on Instagram or something like that. Right. When everyone else has to pay money to and have um, put a lot of work into access that, 
So, but yeah, I do offer, I offer that service to anyone out there listening. They can just contact me through the Instagram uh, at the mighty Nathaniel or email at Nathaniel S day at gmail.com. Very cool. I think, um, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of secrets in old time strongman and, um, and in my opinion, those are well worth paying for most of the time. And, um, knowing the progressions is, uh, that is a super important part of old time strongman and coaching because you could easily, there are plenty of people that could tell you, you know, how to bend a horseshoe, but if they don't tell you which horseshoe to buy, <laughs> you you may never bend a horseshoe because there there are horseshoes out there that right. that nobody's ever bent. Um, so it's very important that that with a good coach that they will tell you the progression and they'll tell you exactly where to start. Um, so if you're out there and you're interested, um, just hearing uh, Nathaniel say that, I would say that you know he's probably a good guy to go to um, as far as the coaching goes with that sort of stuff. So definitely check him out. That's the mighty Nathaniel on um, Instagram. Definitely follow him. He's got one of the best, uh, better Instagram pages out there, in my opinion. Um, definitely worth checking out. I also, I, I don't hesitate at all to refer people to other coaches. Um, I've had, there are certain things that Chris Ryder has a lot more experience at, and I've not hesitated to tell someone um instead of using my service i i'll say hey contact chris Ryder. um there are certain sp things that people have specialized in um where i basically though i know a lot of the people in the field and so i'm able to uh point people in the right direction mm -hmm. i'm i try to remain humble enough to uh it doesn't have to be through me basically Right. There's a lot that I can help. There's a lot that I can help with, but I recognize quickly when I can't and I get people where they need to be. Very cool. Um, yeah, we're about out of time. I want to thank you very much for, um, you know, taking the time out of your day and, uh, and joining us here. And, and you've been a man, a wealth of information. Um, <clears throat> I'm definitely going to have to go back and, and re-listen to this one just so I can take some notes. But I want to thank you very much for being on here. And uh, again, check him out on Instagram, Mighty Nathaniel, uh, one of the best Instagram pages out there. And if you're interested in coaching, just shoot a private message on there and he'll get back to you um, uh, pretty quickly, in fact. So hit him up and uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on here uh, in, in the next season and um, see where you're at with uh, your new feats and everything. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks again. Um, this has been John the Viking Mauser with the Mighty Nathaniel. Get strong or die. <laughs>